0: National championship track athletes, Wyoming Gatorade Players of the Year, the Montana Football Hall of Fame, all things NBA, a decommit from the Lady Grizz, a recommitment from a couple Bobcat standouts, and an update on the Missoula Paddleheads. We have all that and more today on Nuanez Now. Hello, I'm Coulter Nuanez. Thanks so much for tuning in with us. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on your Tuesday. You want us now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana Television. I do this each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. And I'm joined by a variety of guests, but uh, it's been a little in flux now that we're into summer. So don't be perturbed if you are uh, a creature of habit, you like routine. It's okay. All your good friends from around here will be back in the saddle uh, in a more of a routine once we get through the next couple months. Once football season's rolling, it'll be a little bit more consistent. But we have a whole bunch of fill-ins coming around as well. So it should be fun here uh, these next couple weeks. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana Television will not be here tomorrow. But instead, Jim O'Day, the athletic director, uh, former athletic director of the University of Montana, will swing by. Uh, As will Scott Blakeney, new Grizz. But today we have a whole bunch to get to, including right off the top, we're going to call him here in just a couple minutes, Rick Halmus. He's the chairman of the board for the Montana Football Hall of Fame. Our banquet here is less than two weeks away, June 26th, at the Billings Convention Center in Billings, Montana, the fifth. Can't say annual because we had to call it off last year, but the fifth induction ceremony for the Montana Football Hall of Fame. So we'll talk to Rick about all things MT Football Hall of Fame, Sam Lechelot. He is the Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year in basketball. He's headed to Montana State. We're going to catch up with a lot of recruits that have committed in the last couple weeks or months. We had Isaiah Childs from the Grizz football team in here yesterday, and that was a great interview. So he's a new running back, transfer from Akron. So appreciate him stopping by the studio. So we will have a whole bunch of uh, future Montana and Montana State athletes joining us on the show. We're also going to hear from Duncan Hamilton He's a junior at Montana State. Excuse me, he's a sophomore. He's a a redshirt junior in outdoor outdoor track, but he is only a sophomore eligibility-wise right now during the current track season. Talked to him this morning. He was on his way to Eugene, Oregon to compete at the Mecca at Hayward Field in the NCAA National Track and Field Championships. He is competing in the 3,000-meter steeplechase, so we'll hear Duncan's thoughts on going to one of the hallowed grounds for all of uh, college track and field talked a fair amount of NBA yesterday with my brother, Brooks Nuanez. We're going to do that again here today. I'm just going to give you some of my thoughts, because I was sort of leading the conversation yesterday and asking Brooks for his feedback on a lot of different topics. But I have some thoughts about the NBA playoffs as they are and as they will be. I also have some thoughts on the state of media. I've really been thinking about this uh, controversy, or I guess, not even the controversy, but the, the story involving Naomi Osaka and... Um, I had some new thoughts last night, so I figured that we would revisit all those as well. And maybe the big news of the day, a couple pieces of news when it comes to recruiting here in the state of Montana. Maya Hansen, billing central, junior, senior-to-be, uh, one of the top players in the state of Montana. She decommitted from the Lady Grizz today. This news has sort of been circling for a little while, but actually officially confirmed by multiple news outlets today, Maya Hansen was the youngest player to ever commit to the Lady Grizz. Lady Grizz have since had two coaching changes since that time. She committed as a freshman, uh, uh, coming out of her freshman year at Laurel High School. She's been at Building Central the last two years, and uh, she says she wants to just open up her options. She said a couple things have landed on her plate. But also, I think she probably wants to get re-recruited by the new staff because she was initially committed to Shannon Schwain, and then she was uh, remained committed to Mike Petrino. Now with Brian Holsinger in the fold uh, for the Lady Grizz, My Hansen opening her recruitment back up. On the Bobcat side of things, on the men's side of things, three different Bobcats. Amin Adamu, Xavier Bishop, and Abdul Muhammad all going to use their extra year of eligibility. So we'll get to that as well. What does that mean for Danny Sprinkle's Bobcats? And uh, at the end of the show, we'll talk to Jeff Safford. He's the voice of the Missoula Paddleheads. Tuesdays are the Paddleheads' day off. They play six days a week. Tuesdays are the ones they don't. So we're going to revisit and talk about Pioneer League Baseball Um pretty consistently each Tuesday throughout the rest of the summer. I spent the weekend over at Coeur d'Alene um, at the resort doing a stay-and-play at the golf course as well as at the Coeur Resort and Hotel. It was an awesome time, and we are giving you that exact same package, two 18-hole rounds of golf as well as a stay-and-play at the CDA Resort here on Friday. So please continue to send us your entries. It's easy to enter 406 888 1029. Text evidence of you listening to th- this show in any form or fashion, whether it's live, on the podcast, on the live stream, any way you're doing it. Whether you're watching on SWX Montana television, send us evidence of you listening to Nuanas now, and we will get you uh, all entered into our giveaway. It's part of our Father's Day promotion. I guarantee you they're going to be booked over Father's Day, so you probably won't be able to go that specific weekend. Maybe you can squeeze it in midweek. Maybe you can uh, squeeze it in later on. But uh, we will be giving that away on Friday, a, a week ahead, I guess about 10 days ahead of actual Father's Day. But we're excited to partner with the Coeur Resort as we have the last five years for our stay and play giveaway. So keep on coming with those entries, eight 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 one zero two nine. 1029 That's 406-888-1029. If you want to watch us or listen to us somewhere besides the traditional radio or the traditional television, head on over to our station website, Click on the Listen Live tab. You can find the stream there. Or you can hit us up on YouTube as well, N-U-A-N-E-Z. Just type in that, N-U-A-N-E-Z, and you can find us on YouTube as well. you want to be a part of this show, that text number is also a call number as well, so you can call it 406-888-1029. We made it easy for you. All you have to remember is the station that you're listening on, 1029 ESPN Missoula. All guests will join us during this show via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. That's where we go right now. Welcome in Rick Helmus. He's the Chairman of the Board of Directors for the Montana Football Hall of Fame. The banquet fast approaching June 26th in Billings at the Billings Convention Center. It should be an awesome night as it always is. Rick, thanks so much for swinging by my man. How you doing?
3: Hey, how's the uh, how's the most
0: knowledgeable sports guy in Montana doing today, Colter? Great to be with you. Hey, I'm doing great, man. and I know that you are a radio professional. So, this is uh, why I always love having you on the show. But first of all, let's talk about something completely different than the Montana Football Hall of Fame. The Montana Football Hall of Fame sort of came about um, organically and, and maybe not as as part of the plan because you were involved in a nonprofit organization called Big Huddle, which has. Still put, am. Still are yeah. and, and, and put forth a great effort to try to bring football back to what was Eastern Montana College, now Montana State Billings. But Montana State Billings also, right now, is in search of a new athletic director. And I know you are over in Billings, so I know you've been sort of checking this out. So give us the scoop. What what have you learned so far as MSUB searches for a new AD?
3: Well, uh, the reason they're losing the old one, uh, just so your audience knows, Coulter, is our uh, Krista Montague was a basketball player there, worked for the Alumni Association, and eventually got the AD job nine years ago. She's had eight chancellors in nine years. You talk about push a rock uphill. Very tough for her. So that's why they're interviewing uh, candidates. They had 63 applications. They are down to three. A uh, gentleman yesterday, uh, and I, we just went and met Michael Filer, who uh, was at Western Oregon. And then tomorrow's Michael Baysmore, who's been working for the uh, NC2A, but was a compliance person at MSUB about uh, oh, 05, 6 years ago.
0: What do you think is the main priority for the next uh, athletic director at Montana State Billings? Is it to continue this effort to bring football back?
3: Well, that you know that if I show up at those meetings, that's where I'm going with that. I'm going with, uh, you know, Great Northwest Conference, RMAC, D2. Uh, there's a, you know, obviously when it was Eastern Montana College, they were in the Frontier Conference. and And most people that are as old as I am will remember that about three out of four football championships went through Eastern Montana College from the 50s and 60s, uh, they they uh, dropped off in the in the 70s, and that was lack of enthusiasm, lack of leadership on the administration. That's all it was. Um, but they dropped the program in 78. So yes, I bring it up at these meetings. Uh, very few people have attended, and to me, it was it's kind of an indication of the lethargic uh, atmosphere around Billings towards the school. It's really. They're down to 2,000 students. They were 3,100 when I was there. Uh, they were about 4,100 in the late 70s. And now they're down to 2,000 on the main campus. They've got about 1,700 uh, out of their tech school, their two-year college. Uh, but they really need some help. And so football is a program that it's dynamic. And all the studies that we've done, which is 70-some, but Jeff Welch uh, of 406 Montana Sports, I hope I can say that on your show. Oh, you absolutely um, can.
0: Yeah, We we, we <laughs> like to spread the love. Even though we're quote-unquote competition, that's okay. I, I use, I mean, those guys are doing a great job. I I, don't, I get all my prep news from 406 MT Sports. So continue the great work, Jeff Welch and your staff.
3: Well, Jeff wrote an article two weeks ago that was spot on. I would encourage people to go to 406 Montana Sports, look in the archives, because he nailed the issues. But one of the things I didn't even know, we'd, we'd researched 70 schools uh, that had brought football back uh, in a short period of time or brought it in for the first time. And I think I mentioned to you in one of our conversations that one of the coolest stories I, we found was uh, Notre Dame of Ohio was an all-girls school. They uh, wanted football, so they brought in a coach about 11 years ago. He lived in his car, literally, for about a year got the program going. Now they're very competitive. It's not a girls' school anymore. It's co-ed, and they send kids to the NFL now almost every year. Great story. So they could do that here. They could do that at this school, too, and that was... So we're looking for leadership. The gentleman today was more aggressive than the one yesterday, so I was happy about that.
0: What sort of benefit do you think it could have? Because I think that right now, after this uh, pandemic-ridden year, or I guess even a little bit more than a year... There's a lot of small school football programs that are in sort of a state of disarray. I think that the, the, the premise of if you show administrations, particularly the academic side of administrations, what it's like, the cost-benefit analysis of when you don't have any revenue from football, I put some things on display. And I know Eastern Washington's going through it right now with a potential drop to Division Two. Portland State's football future is in peril, but there's a lot of, of different small schools. But I do think that, that schools need to hesitate because it's not just about what football might cost an athletic department. A lot of times there's a, a, a tangible uh, benefit to having football on campus that can't really, really be measured in the financial budget of the athletic department. So, I mean, do you think that not having football has hurt the enrollment at Montana State Billings? And what sort of benefit do you think it could be just from a campus perspective if you brought it back?
3: Well, I don't think football is the only thing that's cut their enrollment in half over the last 10, 12 years, but it's a big part of it. Uh, uh, curriculum, dorm facilities, all those things play into it. And literally, the Montana Board of Regents, in my opinion, if I could scold them, I would. Uh, you got it. At the time that the Montana State went from about 9,000 students to 17,000 students, this school went from 3,500 down to 2,000. Something's wrong with that when they're sister schools. But uh, the thing about football, and you hit the nail on the head, the reason these 400 schools brought football back for the first time or brought it back if they dropped it, realized they'd made a mistake, is football makes money, but it's not necessarily due to ticket sales or advertising. In some cases, it's TV revenue, but not at these levels here. What You know, if we if Eastern does this right or MSUB does this right, they'd bring a football program in. They uh, the private group that I work with will help build them a stadium. Uh, probably going to cost $20 million at least to do that. And uh, we'll pay some coaches, cover uh, uh, scholarship costs for that first year of lost revenue. But they'll put 1,000 new kids on campus. Well, if it was just $10,000 a student uh, culture, not counting books, meals, dorm rooms, et cetera, you know, um, that 1,000 kids, that's $10 million that comes to that school. And that's how these schools live. That, so if you invested at the D two level here, if you uh, if you uh, invested that one and a quarter million, that would cost roughly to run a program for a year and get a ten million dollar return. Who would not do that?
0: Sounds like good business to me. Rick Halmus joining us. He's the chairman of the board of directors for the Montana Football Hall of Fame and also a member of the Big Huddle, which is trying to bring football back at Montana State Billings. The Montana Football Hall of Fame banquet, one of the events of the year. It happens in Billings, June 26th. We have a star-studded class for our listeners in western Montana. The headliners from the um, Montana side of things include... Bob Beers, a former great Grizzly, as well as Brett Musburger, legendary broadcaster who makes his home sometimes down in Hamilton, as well as Marty Morningweg, who's been a good friend of this show. But around the state of Montana, people are always listening as well. We got some great Bobcat inductees as well, including Travis Lule, who will join us here on Thursday on this show, as well as Canamato. And I'm telling you, this is one of the uh, events of the year. You're going to want to be there. We still have tickets available. It's $100 a ticket or $800 for a table. And uh, you can just go to MontanaFootballHallofFame.com or just search Montana Football Hall of Fame on Google. It'll give you the specific address, uh, and then that, that will inform you how to get tickets. But, Rick, uh, let's just talk about the way this has come together because you and I, we both, I sit on the board as well with you, and we've had a lot of meetings over the last year or so uh, to try to make sure this thing stays alive uh, during what has been a challenging year for all of us. But uh, th- this is a really exciting thing that's coming up uh, in a couple weeks here in Billings.
3: Yeah, I'm extremely excited about it. Our crowd's going to be about 100 more than last year, so the room is going to be maxed out, uh, and it's grown every year. We did it four years, then COVID, of course, killed it last year, but uh, we're back again for the fifth, and it's grown every year. But, yeah, I was having a cup of coffee with a young guy that was an athletic manager up at Rocky Mountain College, and he mentioned uh, all the sports and that there should be some kind of Hall of Fame, And he, but he was talking about golf and basketball and football and all of them, wrestling. Um, and, but I left there thinking about that and I thought, well, you know, when, when we honored those, there was 11 coaches at the time that had, uh, Ron Kowalski over there in Missoula, but, uh, um, there was, a, there was 11 of them that, uh, had 200 wins or more. So we did a banquet for them and it was a very big success. It got very emotional because nobody had ever had them in the same room before. And, uh. Uh, they were telling us about all the high school kids that go to college football programs. I think it was around 150 kids at that time. And then we thought, well, we'll look and see after that, um, after that meeting with that young manager. I uh, researched and found out there were 160 kids that had gone from Montana schools into the NFL and CFL. And I went, holy smokes, how come somebody is not telling that story? Because I, I, everybody I'd asked didn't know that. So we started in 2016 with the first class. Johan Stennerud was in it. Uh, one of the most interesting uh, speakers that night was an inductee from Eastern Montana College uh, that played uh, basketball, came from Akron, Ohio. But the Rams drafted him as a kickbacker because he was six seven and he was so fast. His legs came up to about my eyes. I mean, he had really long legs, and I still tell him that today. But it was really interesting. We had a 170 people at that. But because of the stories that people heard, they would tell other people. We had 300 at the second one. And then uh, last year we had 480. This year we'll have 600. There's about 60, 70 tickets left. We're going to do a count again tonight. Uh, We're checking on individual sales through Universal Athletic, which... We couldn't have done this without them. I mean, they started us off, and they've got the Hall of Fame display down there in Bozeman. So if any of your listeners go through Bozeman, it's worth it because their videos and their bios are on a kiosk. Their pictures and jerseys are on the wall. Very nice.
0: Rick us from the Montana Football Hall of Fame, and it is the, the actual display in Bozeman is awesome. We have been lucky enough to broadcast at least one and sometimes two or three shows per year over the last four or five years uh, right there from the Football Hall of Fame and that's been a great thrill. I uh, Usually whenever the uh, Bobcat Grizzly games are in Bozeman, whether it's the first half of the rivalry in basketball or the football rivalry every other year, we always make sure to go down to Bozeman and uh, broadcast from there. Uh, but it's been a great thrill. But Rick, you're so right. I think that if people, if you haven't been or you haven't heard of the stories that come out of this thing, it's not just the stories that we write as the biographers or the remembrances that we give. But these guys, you know, a lot of times this is the first induction of their career, but sometimes it's also the last induction of their careers. A guy like Dennis Erickson, for example, he's been inducted to pretty much every Hall of Fame that there is. And this was sort of the cherry on top. It gave him a chance to come back to Montana. Tim Houck, same thing. He'd been inducted into the the, uh, Grizz Hall of Fame as well as, uh, I I believe, the the Philadelphia Eagles as well. But regardless, uh, it's sort of a full circle no matter which end of the spectrum that they're on. And uh, I think that now the fact that we've got the timing right and and there's uh, the ability for these guys to show up no matter what realm of football they're still involved in, if at all, and so uh, the, the, the storytelling and, and just the narratives of all of it, it's pretty darn cool, but probably more than anything, as this thing continues to grow, more of the inductees that we've had continue to come back. And so now the room before the banquet, during the banquet and after the banquet, it continues to have more great characters within it. And then that's when the stories get going, when these guys start bouncing ideas off each other or telling you-remember-when stories from back in the day. And I hope it just continues to keep growing because it's absolutely one of the best events of the year.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. There's 21 of the inductees coming back this year, which is incredible. Don Stennerud hasn't missed one. He was in the first class. And you mentioned Timmy Houck, and I have to tell your audience, that one of the inspirational things about these speeches are the fine line between college, being, being a great athlete in college and making it into the professional level. There's a lot of great athletes who don't make it. There's a little intangible that gets them to that elite level. That's why we do this honors program. Um, I uh, But Timmy Houck had people laughing and crying in the same speech. I don't know if you looked around the room during his speech, but oh, it was hoot and holler, and then he got to the serious part about not being wanted on any campus for any reason for football, and what he had to go through to get back, holy cow, there were people with tears rolling down their cheeks.
0: And you'll see things that maybe you never would see in in another former fashion. Uh, Bill Kohler, for example, former Montana State defensive lineman, he's a awesome. Uh, he was an awesome player. He's been an awesome coach in the NFL. He's also a humble guy. I don't think he busts out his Super Bowl rings very often, but he was wearing one of them uh, from the Super Bowl he won <laughs> as a D-line coach of the Denver Broncos. So that's one of my that's one of my prized possessions is the picture I have with Bill Kohler, him showing off the Super Bowl ring, or Thatcher Slay, the great uh, University of Montana offensive lineman who played for a handful of years in the NFL as well. Uh, he wore his... His grizzly bear claw necklace that he had made from all his grizzly bear hunts, and in the middle of it, he had his 2001 national championship ring hanging down in the middle. Another one of the coolest pictures I've ever seen. But uh, you know, from from the old school athletic directors like Sam Jankovic, rest in peace, who who was definitely one of the pioneers of, of athletics across the state of Montana and one of the most influential Montanans on a national level, to Harley Lewis and his stories of the uh, the Washington Grizzly Stadium. It's just an awesome thing, and it's an awesome event, and I think that it's important still, uh, this day and age, that we continue to remember history uh, because I think that we can't lose all this stuff because if we do, we'll forget about it forever. But this has definitely been super rewarding to rehash all those sorts of moments as well.
2: Uh,
3: you had you mentioned Thatcher's Delay. Now, some of these guys 10, 12 minutes each to give their talks. Thatcher's Delay went four minutes, and he had tears rolling down my ch- and, then, and to sum it up, he, uh, you know, he said, I'd played football. It's been a while. I thought that was in my past. I didn't think anything ever going to come up, up again. And in that four minutes, he was so, I mean, so sincere. Uh, you know, his credibility uh, just came across loud and clear. Everybody thought the same thing. Do you have, for our mission and purpose, though, do you have time for a quick anecdote? Oh, of course. Um, many people in Missoula that are my age are going to remember Terry Dillon. Uh, Terry Dillon was a great athlete. They say he wasn't the fastest, was the biggest, but one of the toughest and best football players to ever play there in the early 60s. Gets drafted by the Minnesota Vikings and uh, has a great season, but then loses his life in a construction accident over on the river there outside of Missoula. And as one of the numbers retired in Washington Grizzly Stadium. Well, this was, you know, how many years ago now? 55, 57 years ago. Yep. I get a call last Sunday morning from a uh, Marie, who I don't know, don't recognize. She's calling from uh, Oregon. And it's Terry Dillon's niece. And when we when we inducted him, which we have a, a, a category of legends, and that's deceased ones. The legend for this year is phenomenal. Um, and that's another story. But anyway, she said, um, all our family had moved to Georgia, Arizona, and, and Washington cause there was nobody left here for us to find. So I get this call that they're doing a family tree. They go on Google, they find Terry Dillon's name at the Montana pro football hall of fame. And, uh, they read the bio that I believe you wrote. And, uh, uh, of course the whole family then got on that site and looked and it, she called me and she said the whole family cried because they didn't know any of that history. If you talk about, and tears tears were rolling down my face when she got done talking, and if there isn't a reason, a better reason to keep these legacies uh, going so future generations know who they are, I don't know what what better anecdote there could be.
0: Rick Almas joining us from the Montana Football Hall of Fame. We'll be proud to present the Montana Football Hall of Fame's fifth induction ceremony, June 26th. In Billings at the Billings Convention Center. Tickets still available. If you want more information on tickets, mtfootballhof.com. That's mtfootballhof.com. It was a great pleasure. I, I, I'm so happy to hear you articulate that story in words, Rick, I did read your email about it, but it's awesome to hear that because you know, I remember being a little kid at Washington Grizzly Stadium when my family first moved to Missoula and looking up. And, uh, Dave Dickinson had just led Montana to the 1995 national championship. That was just about two or three years after my family had moved to Montana. And I, you know, I got Dave Dickinson's autograph at the little league opening ceremonies when, you know, I first made the major boys team and all that. So Dave Dickinson was someone I knew directly. I didn't know him personally, obviously I was just a little kid, but he was someone I knew about. I knew the legend of Dave Dickinson, but I remember always looking up on the top of Washington Grizzly stadium and there's two numbers retired. Dave Dickinson's, and Terry Dillon's. I never knew much about Terry Dillon, so it was a great pleasure to write that story. And it's awesome that uh, the internet, which in a lot of ways I think is, is oh, we won't go down that road. The internet is, has been detrimental to our brains in a lot of ways, but that's a phenomenal way that information has spread. And that makes me very happy and feel very good that his family was able to enjoy that. If you want to find... These biographies, which are awesome as well, uh, I, not just because I'm writing them. I, I I have great fun doing this, and it's one of my favorite projects of the year, but we've had great biographers uh, from across the state that have helped out with these bios over the last five or six years, and they're all awesome. And You can find those at the Montana Football Hall of Fame website as well, and you can also find them at SkylineSportsMT.com. I usually run those uh, on our website at Skyline as well, uh, but it's, it's certainly – been a great honor to be able to talk to all these guys and all that. So uh, we're coming down to it. I know that there's some tickets left, uh, but please, if you want to get involved in this, I know Billings is a little bit of a jot if you're in western Montana, but if you're listening around the state here, Nuana is now on SWX Montana Television, head on over, mtfootballhof.com, and you can find all the ticket information there. We do have a couple dozen tickets left, and we would love to have you. Rick, anything else to add before we get you out of here?
3: I mean, you've got Ron Kowalski over there uh, in Missoula with you, and actually, I think there's more people coming from Missoula than any other part of the state to this banquet, uh, because it's a who's who of football in Montana. But this this legacy uh, inductee this year is a guy named Victor Linskog who went to school with the Kowalski's dad, graduated in 1932, uh, never played football, bought, went to cut bank to box. They sent him to California because he had potential. A Stanford football coach saw him, said you should come play at Stanford. Well, he made the team, starting center, uh, got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, became an all-pro, and uh, taught uh, Chuck Bednarik how to play center. Who was a legendary Eagle. Um, and then he stayed in the league as, as general manager, and, and I think he has four Super Bowl rings, never played a down-of-football around up High School.
0: Wow. Oh, the stories never stopped coming out of this thing, and that's the best part about it. The Montana Football Hall of Fame, proud to be aligned with Nuanas now and proud to be aligned with ESPN Missoula. Rick, I hope you're doing well, my friend, and I appreciate you taking so much time today. And I'll look forward to, greatly look forward to seeing you here in a couple weeks, but in the meantime, be well.
3: Okay, one last comment. I want to thank your, the Grizzly coach, Bobby Halk. When I was in the hospital a couple weeks ago, I got one of the nicest email messages from Coach, coach Halk of anybody, and and it was very emotional, but I really appreciated it. So that's class.
0: Classy guy, classy program. Rick Elvis, Montana Football Hall of Fame. June 26th, the Montana Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony at the Billings Convention Center. Please, if you have an opportunity, come on out and join us. Rick, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Colter. Sam Leckalot, he's the Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year. We're in Montana, you say? Well, he's coming to Montana. He's a future Montana State Bobcat He'll join us next here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula.
2: To more. In Avenue, where I used to sit and talk with you, we were both sixteen and it felt so right. Sleeping all day, staying up all night.
0: What's up, Montana? Happy Tuesday. Hope everybody's having an awesome day. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. It's nuanes Now, the one-stop shop for all things sports all across the great Treasure State each and every weekday right here from 4 to 6 p.m. on 1029 ESPN Radio as well as statewide television, SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanes I do this every single weekday, so please come on back and join me. We are going to dive into a bunch of recruiting-style interviews here over the next couple weeks catch up with a lot of the incoming athletes to both Montana State and Montana. Several uh, transfers for both the football programs and a bunch of signees from both the transfer ranks and the prep ranks for both the men's basketball teams in the state of Montana as well. So we will be excited to catch up with a variety of recruits over the next couple weeks because I know this time of year when the summer is kind of hitting sort of the end of the senior years for a lot of the incoming guys, and they'll report to campus pretty darn soon if they haven't already And it's an exciting time and an awesome time to sort of close the chapter on their high school careers and uh, start writing the new chapter of their uh, college careers as well. And on that note, very exciting for Montana State's men's basketball program. Several pieces of news regarding MSU uh, here over the last week or so. First of all, the news of today centered upon the fact that three outstanding players for Montana State that helped lead the Bobcats to the... uh, Big Sky Conference Tournament Championship game um, last March in uh, Boise are returning. Amin Adamu, Xavier Bishop, and Abdul Muhammad. All three of those guys were seniors a year ago. They're going to use their extra year provided by the pandemic. And uh, so that will be a, a huge bolstering for Danny Sprinkle's roster because both Bishop and Adamo were all-league players, and I thought Muhammad, he really went out on top. Uh, but it wasn't quite actually going out because he still uh, had another year remaining. But he played really good in the Big Sky Conference tournament, and that really helped the Bobcats make their first appearance in the championship game in 12 years. A little bit earlier on this week, I guess it was actually last Friday, where this, this news fully came to fruition. But um, three incoming freshmen for the Montana State men's basketball team Alex Germer from uh, here in Missoula, Missoula, Montana, a Missoula Sentinel product. Patrick McMahon, who hails from Palmer, Alaska. And then our next guest, Sam Lechelot from Sheridan, Wyoming. All three of those guys named their respective state players of the year. Uh, so that's very exciting and uh, v- pretty cool that Danny Sprinkle was able to garner three different states, players of the year, and uh, not often that... that uh, Wyoming or Montana or Alaska are producing Division One talents, but these guys are all uh, great players and they can really play. And so that's where we do. That's where we go now uh, to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in the Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year, Sam lot Sam, how you doing, my man? What's going on? Oh,
1: uh, not much. Just kind of sitting on the patio, just hanging
0: out. I know you said yesterday you were fishing. So, is that, are you a big fisherman?
1: Oh uh, yes, very big uh, fly fisherman. That's kind of. I do my off time all the time, and so, uh, yeah, it was pretty good yesterday.
0: Sheridan, Wyoming is one of the best places you can fly fish anywhere in the world, but you're also on your way to another one of the best places to fly fish in the entire world. That's Bozeman, Montana. So uh, what do you think of that opportunity? Was that a part of of why you chose Montana State, just the fact that you can be outdoors and live sort of a similar lifestyle?
1: You know, actually, yes, it was. Um, I love fly fishing, and so I knew... Obviously, Bozeman's called Trout U. And so, um, yeah, definitely it was part of my choice. But um, also, you know, I have family up there close by. And so it's another home away from home.
0: This Gatorade Wyoming State Player of the Year for you, actually the second in a row, which is an impressive feat, no matter what state you're from. So what was your reaction when you learned that you had won the award
1: again? Uh, Well, you know, Lately, I've been kind of waking up at 5.30 a.m., just kind of out of the blue, kind of weirdo, and uh, I was just waiting for the email, because I kind of figured, but I know I shouldn't have been like that, but I was just waiting for it, and then I saw it, and then I was like, you know what? Sweet. Awesome. But, uh, I mean, it's funny as that, right after I learned that, I went right to the gym and started shooting again, so, yeah.
0: Tell us about your path to get to this point, because... I've always been a big advocate for guys that come from some of the more rural states. I think guys that that grow up in Montana, Wyoming, and, and Alaska... They can play, man, and and you learn how to win at a high level because maybe you get an opportunity to be on varsity a little bit earlier on than you would if you were living, you know, in a big city. Uh, but also, you know that it's going to take that that workmanlike effort, that white that blue collar mentality, so to speak, to to get yourself a, a Division One shot. So, take us through just what you did to get yourself a Division One opportunity growing up in Sheridan, Wyoming.
1: Well, you know. Um... Coming into high school as a freshman, I knew my first goal was to play varsity, obviously, and uh, I reached that goal. And so then going to sophomore year, I I never thought at that point that I could play collegiate basketball. And so my goal for sophomore year was to start. And then I learned that um, going to sophomore year that I can play AU ball, like big tournaments and stuff. So I started out with club sports in Missoula, and um, that worked out pretty well, obviously. And then so uh, after sophomore year, um, going into junior year in the spring, I decided to join select basketball. And um, it was a great experience. I mean, all the people out there are super friendly. And uh, me personally, I love playing basketball. So, I mean, just getting the chance to play it was uh it was a great feeling. And so I then played in the summer going to my junior year, and that's when that kinda of all started with colleges and stuff. And uh, I mean it was it was super fun. I mean me personally I I had no idea I would be a colleg- collegiate basketball player, I just love playing for prof- and and that's just what I do. Hearing about a little bit, just because, you know, I never knew this could happen, and so my then goal going to junior year was uh, to get Gatorade, and as you know, that happened, and so then uh, going to senior year, all I did was just, I obviously played with Select again, and that was another great experience, wouldn't credit It was amazing, and um, my goal again was just to get Gatorade also, again, and uh, it, it worked out. And so, yeah.
0: Sam, luck a lot joining us. He is a future Montana State Bobcat. Let's talk about that element, Sam. When did Danny Sprinkle and his coaching staff and and just the Montana State program in general, when did they first land on your radar and how did the recruiting process play out for you?
1: Um, Well, you know, personally, I've always wanted to go Bozeman. That was kind of like my childhood school growing up. And so uh, going into my junior year, they contacted me. Um, It was first uh, Coach Russell super great guy. I mean, he is a local from Wyoming, too. He's from Casper, and so, I mean, I knew about him a little bit from watching um, Juco basketball, because we also in and used to have um, a very good Juco basketball team, and so I'd watch him every once in a while, and um, he reached out to me first, and I mean, I thought it was really cool and really exciting. It kept me off my toes, obviously, and then once uh, Coach Sprinkle texted me, then I knew it was pretty serious, and uh, I still did not realize, like, how, like, important this was, and then in, I think it was, like, October-ish, they offered me, and I got super ecstatic, and, I mean, it's my dream school, and so where else would I want want to go, and so, obviously, then, like, two more months after that, I committed.
0: You mentioned the the fact that there's a great junior college there in your hometown. So did that influence you as a basketball player growing up? Because you probably had opportunities to go to some good camps. There's probably some good competition around town just because, uh, not just Sheridan, but a lot of the Wyoming junior colleges have always been pretty strong when it comes to hoops.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did, me personally, I didn't get started in basketball until about fifth grade. I like, never really thought I was an athletic kid or I was into sports. But then, I, I mean, I did go to a lot of uh the college years, the Sheridan Generals, and so I watched them quite a bit, and they, they're they one of the top JUCO schools. And so I was like, you know, these guys are pretty good, and I watched quite a few games. I remember, <laughs> like, during the middle of the week, junior high games, after junior, junior high games, I'd go watch the college just because they were so good and I could learn so much from, like, all their talking on the court and just how that fast play of basketball works. And so, I mean, it definitely but uh, definitely um, got my mind more about basketball and how I wanted to play more just because I saw the competitive level that these guys were playing at, and I wanted to play just like them because, I mean, my main thing is if I can play with, like, harder people and stuff, me personally, that'll get me better, and so I just I just thought playing against them would be super fun, and I actually got to a couple years ago on a scrimmage. And it was amazing. I just wanted more of it. So it was a good experience.
0: Sam Lechelot joining us. He's the two-time Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year. He's headed to Montana to play for Montana State. Danny Sprinkle and his staff signing three different Gatorade Players of the Year, including Sam. And Sam, tell me, remind me, do you have a relationship with with either Patrick McMahon or, or Alex Germay? I feel like there was a story where you guys maybe played together once upon a time.
1: Uh, Well, you know, me and Alex, uh, we actually played, I think it was like eighth grade or seventh grade summer down in a tournament in Colorado, and then we joined back up with select basketball, and we were teammates for two years, and it was a really good experience, so yeah.
0: What do you think of the opportunity then to play with him, and what do you think of you you guys kind of being these guys from small states or representing for uh, guys that grow up in rural areas?
1: I mean, me personally I think it's a it's a big thing because it can show that people who come from these small rural areas are actually um they have the heart to play and then the skill level and uh, it shows that people in these rural areas there's more of them that just don't get looked at. And so um I just know going into this summer with workouts and practices and then going to the freshman season that I'm just going to put all my heart out there because um, it shows that us kids who maybe might not get recognized as much are just as good as these kids who are coming out of um, big cities. And, yeah.
0: How about Coach Sprinkle? What do you think of him? Because I think that he has a, a great understanding of, of young kids in the modern era, maybe as good as anybody in the Big Sky Conference right now. So uh, what do you think of the program that, that Coach Sprinkle is building at his alma mater?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing uh, if you think about it. Uh, I actually, when I committed and I got to learn about Coach Frinkle, I was actually kind of a nerd, and I watched some of his highlights when he was in college. And he was a good, really good player. And so, I mean, just from what he's done the last couple years, I think it's it's it shows the person that he the shows the type of person he is and how he cares and really wants the best for the team uh, for winning. And off the court, I mean, I remember seeing a video last year on we got he got everyone together uh changing a tire and how to tie a tie, and it just shows that it, for him it's more than basketball it's just getting to know a bunch of people and uh having uh, someone there for them and so just from what I've seen and getting to know him, he's a super great guy, and uh there's no one that I else want to have as a coach.
0: This latest run by Montana, State, a great run, their best run in the Big Sky tournament more than a decade. So, did, did you get a chance to monitor it? And if so, uh, that must have been pretty affirming for you to know that you are going to a program that uh, is on the rise.
1: I mean, just watching them. I remember I watched their whole tournament this last year. Uh, they, they, I mean, they were technically underdogs in some of the games, but it just showed their maturity and uh how they these guys love basketball and so um i think that just going into this next season um this program it's at a high level but um just gotta just gotta keep being hungry just keep on eating
0: no question well it'll be fun to monitor all your guys's progress and uh We can't wait to have you here in Montana. We'll get you out of here on this. Sam Lecholaj joining us. He's a future Montana State men's basketball player. He hails from Sheridan, Wyoming. And Sam, when you first signed the letter of intent, and then now as you get close to moving to Bozeman and and fulfilling this dream, what was that moment like for you and your family? Because that must have been pretty darn cool to know that you set a goal and then you went out and achieved it.
1: I mean, it's, it's, a surreal feeling. I know that I, in high school I took this personal finance class thinking like, oh, it's college, I have to pay for all of it and now, I mean, it's it's a blessing to just be able to college and go to college and just have fun and I know that it's a, less of a burden for my mom and dad just because they've always supported me and this shows them that I can do something on my own without them helping me and so, I mean, when we first signed that letter that morning, it was just kind of like a "whoa, look what's going on now." <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was it was a great feeling.
0: Well, Sam, from us here at ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much for the time today, and we'll look forward to meeting you in the in person. But in the meantime, enjoy your summer and best of luck with your freshman year.
1: Yeah, you too. Thank you,
0: Sam. Like a lot. Two-time Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year. He's headed to Montana State uh, to play for Danny Sprinkle's Bobcats. More on those Bobcats a little later on in the show. We will continue to make the rounds with uh, all the incoming recruits for all of the Montana uh, Athletic programs, specifically football and men's basketball. Scott Blakeney, a transfer from Idaho to the Grizz basketball team, he'll join us here on Nuanas now tomorrow around 5 p.m. as well. So stay tuned for that. Up next, a young man from Bozeman, Montana, who is on the national stage, Duncan Hamilton, will compete in the men's 3,000 meter steeplechase prelims tomorrow. In Eugene, Oregon, from Hayward Field, one of the iconic venues in all of track and field. That interview next on Nuana's Now. Keep it right here, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Sportsbet Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in. Nuwana is now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Hope you're having an outstanding Tuesday. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. If you're listening to 1029 ESPN Missoula, or maybe you're watching in on SWX Montana Television, maybe you got the YouTube on, maybe you got the live stream on, whatever you got. We appreciate you listening. Give us evidence of you listening. If you want to be entered in a contest to win a stay-and-play at the Coeur Resort, we got two 18-hole rounds of golf as well as a night at the Coeur Resort, a five-star hotel, one of the nicest hotels in the entire northwestern United States. We'll be giving that away on Friday as part of our Father's Day stay-and-play giveaway. No promises you'll be able to book Father's Day weekend because it is busy, busy. I was there last weekend. The resort is booked full. Golf is packed but they still have room for you. So hopefully uh, you get an opportunity to win this. Just give us evidence of you listening to this show in any form or fashion, whether you're watching on TV, you're on the podcast, live stream, the radio, whatever. Just be creative, show us evidence of you listening to this show. Eight 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 one zero two nine. 1029 that's all you have to do is text your evidence to that number. That's 406 1029 and it will get you all entered in. And on Friday, we will give you away this awesome stay and play from the Coraline Resort. Well, happy now to welcome back to Nuwana's now for the second time in less than a month Duncan Hamilton, he's a distance runner from Montana State track and field and he is on his way to the Mecca Eugene, Oregon for the NCAA National Track and Field Championships. Duncan, thanks so much for joining us. I know you're doing this from an airport but it must be an exciting time for you How are you? Uh, I'm doing
2: awesome, super excited in the Seattle airport right now on our way to Eugene. Uh, Just super excited to to get to see the new Hayward Field and, and run on it this weekend.
0: The venue, Hayward Field, is iconic. I mean, it is among the great venues in the world for track and field, and maybe even particularly emphasized if you're a distance runner, because there's been so many epic performances there. I mean, Stephen Prefontaine, one of the all-time greatest track athletes in the history of the United States, and he cut his teeth there as well. So, I mean, when you're a little kid, you probably imagine to go to this venue, but now that you're on your way, I mean, what are the thoughts that you're having going through your head?
2: Uh, I'm just, I can't believe it. I'm still still in disbelief. But I think one of the biggest things for me is going to be trying to control all the all the hype and everything and just try and stay focused and stay calm and just focus on them. my races and what I have to have to get done this weekend. at Hamilton joining us, sophomore
0: distance runner for Montana State. He's competing in the 3,000-meter steeplechase, 6.32 Mountain Standard Time on Wednesday at the NCAA National Check and Field Championships. You mentioned just sort of getting prepared for this race. Take us through the last couple races because you have been in championship formats now two meets in a row, first with winning the steeplechase at the Big Sky Outdoor Meet in Ogden, and then secondly at the NCAA West Regionals, so uh, what were some of the differences between the meets, and did you have any sort of different preparation or are you just kind of trying to channel what's made you so successful all year? Yeah, I
2: think my preparation has been say, pretty constant for most of my races. Uh, the conference was pretty different from regionals because I was pretty much out front uh, the whole time. So, but regionals, I was kind of in a pack of runners the whole time. And so I think that was a super good race to help prepare me for nationals because I'll be around a lot of people who are at the same caliber as me. And so just like getting comfortable running in a pack and going over barriers with people around me, that was super good um, to help prepare me for, for this weekend at Place.
0: I know we talked last time you were on the show about wanting to peak at the right time, and you continue to get better as this has gone along. So is there anything specific in your training that has helped you continue to improve, or, or has it just been the elevated competition? Uh,
2: I mean, we've been, all season, we've been preparing to, to peak for um, regionals and nationals. And so I think just seeing that I'm still PRing at. at uh, reasonable, and with not super great conditions, It so shows that the uh, you know the training plan has worked, and and I'm in peak condition right now when I need to be. So
0: that's good news. This format will be a little different than most steeplechases because you might you have a qualifying heat before they a potential appearance in the finals. Usually, it's just you run the race once at a championship meet. So what's the biggest difference there?
2: Uh, I think. Yeah, I've never been in a, in a steeplechase race with a, a prelims and finals before, so that will be a little different. But the main goal for Wednesday is just to be in that top five, uh, do everything I can to, to get top five in my heat so that I can, I can uh, go to the finals on, on Saturday.
0: Does that take a certain element of strategy? I mean, do you have to sort of pay attention to both what's in front of you and what's behind you?
2: A little bit, yeah. I'll definitely be kind of conscious of my place the whole time. Um, and I feel like this race will definitely have like a fast finish, so I'm gonna be gonna have to be ready to throw down the last last couple laps to make sure I can keep my keep my place in the top five.
0: Duncan Hamilton joining us on ESPN Radio as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. He's a Bozeman product and a sophomore at Montana State competing at the NCAA National Track and Field Championships on Wednesday in the preliminaries of the 3,000-meter men's steeplechase. And the last bobcat Duncan to, come, to qualify for this national championship in this specific event is Lyle Weiss, the head coach for Montana State. So have you had any conversations yep. with Coach Weiss? And if so, what has he told you maybe to give you some advice as far as preparing for this meet? Oh yeah, I've
2: gotten lots of advice. And uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's an amazing coach. He knows everything there is to know about people in the NCAA meets. And so um super excited to have have him coming here with me uh, and kind of coaching me along on how, how this meets likely to go down and, and what I can do to uh, accomplish some of my goals.
0: When we were down in Ogden, I actually ran into a couple of the uh, coaches from both Southern Utah and Weber State. And we were talking about how of all of the different disciplines in the Big Sky Conference, whether it's sports or events in track and field, men's distance running is among the elite. I mean, it's it's the Big Sky Conference is one of the best distance running uh, men's conferences in all of track and field. So how do you think yeah, just, just competing against, you know, the Northern Arizonas and Weber States and Southern Utahs of the world has prepared you for this? Because you're honestly probably going to be running against some guys that you've already raced against Several times this year, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean that's super helpful. Like getting to be in meets with like high caliber competition before uh, it really matters is uh, super, super helpful.
0: <laughs> is there a familiarity there too? I mean, do, do you feel do you feel more comfortable when you're running against guys you've you've ran next to before?
2: Definitely, yeah, and I think that helps you kind of like control your nerves and.
0: Uh, stay calm when it comes down to it. Duncan Hamilton joining us. He's headed to the NCAA National Championship Track and Field Meet. You're one of two Bobcats, Duncan, that's headed to Nationals along with Lucy Corbett, who, by the way, is also a Montana native, (laughs) also from Bozeman. So, have you considered that, the fact that you had two people from the same high school that are going to be representing for the state of Montana in Eugene?
1: Yeah, it's
2: pretty cool. Um, It's always nice to have like the Bozeman kids or Montana kids uh, representing Montana State at the big level. Um, yes, it was super excited to be able to represent
0: Bozeman. And this will be available on ESPN channels, ESPN television. Uh, the preliminaries that Duncan will be running in will be on ESPN U, and the finals were air on ESPN2. So did you ever consider that maybe you'd be running on ESPN someday?
2: <laughs> you know, I've always, always wanted to and super excited to to be able to um, race at this next level.
0: Well, Duncan, we appreciate the time today, man. Best of luck with everything. Duncan Hamilton from Montana State, a sophomore for the Bobcats. He runs in the men's 3,000-meter steeplechase semifinals Wednesday. That starts at 632 Mountain Standard Time. That's the first of two heats. He can fight it on ESPNU. And if he qualifies for the finals, he'll run again Friday, June 11th at 624 Mountain Standard Time. We'll keep you apprised of the results. Lucy Corbett, by the way, she competes at 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. June twelfth, so we'll also keep you up to date for that. Her and the women's high jump. Duncan. In the meantime, best of luck from everybody here in Montana, and uh, we're proud of you. Go represent well and uh, be well. Thank you so much. Apologies there for the uh, the background. It's it's tough because sometimes when these we got to get these kids when you can, and he's on his way to Eugene, so he's he's busy. He's got to do it before he gets there because he's got a full slate of things going on, so uh, Duncan Hamilton had to do it from the airport, and he also had a little bit of a cough there, so hope he's okay, but either way, we appreciate him joining us here on Nuanas Now. Our one in the books, our two coming at you, all things NBA. We're also going to talk about a Lady Grizz, decommit, a couple Bobcat recommits, and we're going to catch up with Jeff Safford of the Missoula Paddleheads to talk all things Pioneer League Baseball. Keep it right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula.